Why should we thank God? First of all, we should thank God because he's our God. Secondly, we should thank God because he's our Savior. We should thank God because he's our keeper. We should thank God because he's the banner over us. He is our protector. We should thank God because he's the only one who never loses confidence in us. Even when we fail him, he still gives us second chance, third chance, fourth chance. Especially when men have written us up. He still has hope in us. Because he formed us, he made us, and he has buried in our spirit our destiny. And he's waiting for us to reunite with him and to wake up. We thank God because he's our healer. We thank God because he's our provider. But as far today as this, I have two messages for you. Each one of them will span within 10-15 minutes. And then for the rest of the month, we will begin to speak. Because it is a time we thank God, and a time we also reflect on who are we. Because we have 12 months minus one week before us now. A week is gone already. As is my usual, uh, as it is usual with me, I always say to you that on such a day as this, make sure that you sit down and from the appraisal of your life last year, what each month cost you last year, look at this year and do a, a, a budget for yourself. So that you can live this year seemingly and sensibly, more sensibly than last year. I always say this to you, and I'll be teaching you very much more in line of budgeting as applicable to your person and also families. So that you can put in the cognizance elements necessary so that you can be better off financially in this new year. I'll be talking to you also later on in this month on what is available as we go on into the year from the prophecy God has given to us about Great Britain and from the facts on the table of our, our government now. Which areas should you concentrate on? Which areas should you be careful about so that you don't invest your money unwisely? But this morning, we start from talking about what is the church. What is the church of God? In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse, 1, verse 15, it says, If I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Now we recognize from this scripture, the first thing that the Bible says about the church, what is the church? The church is God's family. Write that down. The church of God is God's household. <coughs> As in a household, you have members. You also do have members in the church of God. 
And everyone that is in the church of God belongs to the Father. We are all children of the living God. Because it says, is God, is God, is God's household, which is the church of the living God. But in this scripture, he also exposes our purpose. He says, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. So anybody who is a member of God's church must be truthful. And we must recognize this, that if nations are confused about what the truth is, it is only the church of the living God that can reveal to them what the truth is. Now that poses a very big obligation on your shoulder and my shoulder. Because if the world is confused, if they see a Christian, they should know the truth by your lifestyle, by the way you reason, by the way you speak, and they should know the truth by the favor you enjoy by God. I would get that now. In another words, we should be the reflector of Christ or the reflection of Jesus Christ in our age. Because this is what the church of God is, I take you to the next part of this lecture. Because this is what the church of God is, that is, the church of God is God's household, it is the church of the living God, and the pillar and foundation of truth. Therefore, the church must be built according to the pattern of Jesus. Write that down. Number two. The church must be built according to the pattern of Jesus. The only person that God sends to establish the church on earth is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now the church has to be built according to the pattern of Jesus Christ. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. No one can lay any other foundation except the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. The foundation of a church, therefore, is very, very necessary and important. And I will say this to you. Let me examine briefly what Jesus said about the foundation of the church. If we look at the book of Matthew 24, verse 18. When Jesus was going, uh, sorry, Matthew 28, Matthew 28, verse 18. When Jesus was going, <clears throat> He said, then Jesus said, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth have been given unto me. I wanted to look at this in a different perspective today. If the church of God was established by Christ, which it is, Jesus laid the foundation. He said to us that all authority in heaven and earth have been given unto me, which means... 
Anybody who belongs to the family of God controls or has all this authority because you belong to the church of the living God. And Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Anybody who claims to be born again must be a soul winner because it's an instruction for you. If you do not preach the gospel, you are disobeying the foundation teaching of Jesus Christ. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, which means that Christians must preach the gospel with everything they have. Your career, your work is the easiest way to preach the gospel. Your, your family, your neighborhood. Yesterday we had a retreat here on evangelism. And one of the things that you were shown, which is very clearly, very, very clear, is that Acts chapter 1 verse 6 says, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses for us in Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. And Mr. Prophet was helping you to understand that it could be, it is applicable, Jerusalem is applicable to your family. Because it's your first family. Then Judea is applicable to your relatives. Then Samaria is applicable to your neighbors. A Christian must, if salvation enters into a family, the first primary purpose is for the whole family to be saved. Then the second purpose is for your, your relatives, cousins, uncles, nieces to be saved. Then the third is for your neighborhood to be saved. Of course, he shared with us a few examples of how he is working on this. Therefore, if, God, if a Christian buys a house in an area, it is God who allowed you to buy the house in that area, primarily for the salvation of those who live in that area. And you understand the fact that it's not just praying for souls, you must go out for them. Pray for souls, you cannot win souls without praying for them. But when you pray for souls, you must go out and speak to them. So, primary foundation pillar of the church is soul winning. This is the only reason why Jesus came. Now, if you look at the, the Matthew back again, therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That is the reason why we baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who is our Lord and Savior, who established His church, gave command, verbatim, baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I will want to move away from this verse by reading verse 20. It says, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of age. Now, the, the foundation of Christ is this. Whatever I taught, teach. Whatever I do, do. So if you belong to a church because of those watching me on the television, and they have some things they do which is contrary as a doctrine to what Christ did, that may be a wrong place to be. Really, from the instruction of Jesus Christ, any church that, you know, exalts any teaching, 
above another teaching is in error. Because Jesus says, teaching them to obey all what I have taught you. If you look at the church of God today, there are many teachings that Jesus never spoke about. I give you an example. Doctrines about demons, Jesus never taught about it. He cast out devils. But he never taught you the names of demons. Doctrines like that are from the pit of hell. If there is a church that the only thing they teach is prosperity, this is not what Jesus came to the world to teach. Because prosperity is the reward of righteousness. The book of Proverbs says so. If in a church the only thing they teach is healing, then there is a problem. Because a church must teach everything that Jesus taught. The whole counsel of God. There is something I found about Jesus that is quite interesting to me. Because we are talking about the doctrine established by Jesus. Someone may begin, begin to wonder, how, did Jesus, how was Jesus so successful in his calling? I think he gave the answer in the book of John chapter 5 verse 19. Jesus said in this chapter 5 of John 19, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing. Have you considered this statement? The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also. So which means that anything that we got to do, we must make sure it is what God is doing. Let me help you from a fundamental basis. The written word of God is the first platform to help you to, to judge any decision that whether it's God or not God. Is it in line with the scripture? But beyond that, Christians can develop themselves in relationship with God to the place where you can hear God audibly. You can see by vision. You can see by dreams. Jesus did nothing unless he saw the Father do it. That is the reason why he never failed. Christianity is not coming to church. But those who are Christians do go to church. Christianity is somebody making up his decision to have an intimate relationship with the God who created heavens and earth through Christ only. That is what Christianity is. Of course, I know that we use the word born again. You cannot be a Christian unless you are born again. Born again is the entrance to becoming a Christian. Because Jesus said it. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But then when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the testimony of it is that you start a relationship with the God of heaven. You fall in love with somebody. So a Christian is somebody who truly falls in love with God. A Christian is somebody who sees God day and night. A Christian is somebody who wants to become like Jesus Christ. Completely like Jesus Christ. And so Jesus said, I do what I see my father do. And this is a basic principle to ascend into the place of power. You know, in this church, I have been telling you about my encounters. And after some time, we started having people having encounters. Even children having encounters of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have gone to missions. And then some of you are going to missions with me. 
So it's no more that God is using Apostle Williams to do signs and wonders and miracles. God is using the church to do the same thing. That is the church. Anything, an organization where whoever calls himself the minister is afraid for his members to be empowered by God because he's contentious to him. That is not a church. That is a club. Anywhere you find a man of God who operates in the power of God and tells you to, you can do it. But not standing between you and God, that is a church. Because when Jesus came, he never stood between the people and God. He showed them to, he showed the people the God that sent him. And he did everything for them to be able to know the, 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 uh, you know, how things to be done so that they can also be like him. No wonder the Bible says in the book of John 1, as many who believe in God give them the power to be called sons of God. And in the book of Romans chapter 8, if you read from verse um, uh, 29, it says those who have been, those, those who has called have been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he may take preeminence in everything. So, Jesus wants you and I to follow what he has taught in the Bible, to letter, and he wants you and I to be like him completely. Completely. So our aim is to be like the firstborn who is Christ before we die. Quickly want to finish this. The church must be built according to the pattern of Jesus Christ. God is, very, is a God that loves giving patterns. When he called Moses in the book of Exodus 26 verse 30, it says, set up the tabernacle according to the plan shown to you on the mountain. God has a pattern for his church. Let me help you understand this. That's the reason why not everybody in the church, God was sent to be a pioneer. Because if anybody claims that God has sent me to pioneer a movement for God, that is a church, an arm of ministry and stuff, ask him, what is the pattern you are given? Everyone that is called by God, God gives them pattern. And the pattern God gives them is in line with Christ. It's in line with Christ. Therefore, Jesus Christ must be the cornerstone or the reference point of everything we do in the church. Ephesians 2.20 And... Let me read from 19, really. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and alien, but fellow citizen with God. I love that. And members of what? Come on, of what? Tell somebody I'm a member of God's household. You are fellow citizens. I love this. With God's people. And member of God's household. Then, the next verse. Built on the foundation of the apostle and the prophet with Christ Jesus. Yes, himself. As a cornerstone. So if anybody says that I'm apostolic, it has to be referenced to Christ. 
If anybody says, I'm a prophet, it has to be reference to Christ. Any prophecy that is not connected with what Christ has taught you is a false prophecy. Or any prophetic conduct that is strange, that is not in Christ, is not a right prophetic conduct. Any apostolic that is different from Christ's apostolic is not correct. You write three more things down. If you do this as a Christian, if you base your life on Jesus' doctrine, you can never be put to shame. Write that down. A Christian can never be put to shame. When I say Christian, I mean a Christian as defined by the scripture. Because Satan had done something over the years, he has tried to water down the word Christianity. (laughs) But we will not succumb to that. A Christian is a person who has divine relationship with the living God only through Jesus Christ, not those who go to church. But those who are Christian do go to church. But not all who go to church are Christians. It is necessary for anybody who goes to church to recognize or rather to discover Christ and be born again. That's why you come to church. So that you can really give your life to Christ and regain the relationship of Christianity. So, a Christian can never be put to shame. First Peter 2.6 For in the scripture it says, I lay a stone in Zion, a, a chosen, chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never put to shame. Amen. For in the scripture, First Peter 2, 6, for in the scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never, come on now, it says, the one who trusts in God will what? Never be put to shame. I love it. You will never be put to shame. If a Christian is put to shame, check your trust. If you truly trust in him, it's impossible for you to be put to shame. And this is the essence of the church. To teach you the way of the Lord so that you can understand who the Lord is. So that you can follow the pattern that he had written. Not serving God by your mind, but with your heart and your spirit. You know, you can never be put to shame. Come with me. Two more things in this section. For you not to be put to shame, you must keep the pattern of the doctrine, of sound doctrine. Keep the pattern of sound doctrine. Second Timothy 1.13 What you heard from me, Christ with Tabernacle, keep it as a pattern of sound teaching. With faith and love in Christ Jesus. Keep it as a pattern of sound doctrine. This year I want to see men and women walk the streets of the land all over the world. Preaching the gospel. Healing the sick. Casting out devils. I want to hear more prophecies from the lips of everyone. People connecting with the Holy Spirit and telling us what is about to happen, date and time, and what the church is supposed to do. Telling us the plans of God for individual people, for families. In the book of 1 Corinthians 14, it says that if any one of you is prophesying and an an unbeliever is there, will the intention of his heart not be revealed? We have the grace. 
We, got, we, have, we must make up our mind that this year we will make sure we serve him and follow him in sound doctrine. For every pioneering work, listen to me. Let no one hear a strange voice in this church. I speak to you as a father. The Bible says there are many instructors, but few fathers. Last week the Lord was discussing with me. And the Lord said to me that why are there few fathers? And I said to the Lord that I don't know. And he said to me the the reason why there are few fathers is this. He said anybody can be an instructor by knowledge. You can learn and then pass on the knowledge. That is instruction. But to be a father, you must be fathered by those who have been fathered. Because fatherhood is old age in this physical realm. And it is the old age culminates experience. And the children have a lot they learn from their father. The way of his life. Hebrew chapter 13 verse 7. And verse 17. The way of his faith. His relationship with God. The manifestations of God in his life. And that is what can mature a man into fatherhood. Therefore. When it comes to pioneering work, it's different from, you know, somebody, somebody starting um, a computer business somewhere. Let us see a pattern of pioneering work very quickly. The book of Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In the former book of Theophilus, it says, I have, I wrote... About all that Jesus began to do do, and to teach. So a person who is a pioneer must do first before he teaches. No, you cannot do what you don't know. All right? You cannot say to... I, I stand before Christ with Tabernacle today and I tell you how I was called. The law, I was a lance of you and a mapping scientist. I love it so much more than anything. Until Jesus double-crossed me. And I can stand before you and say the Lord Jesus appeared to me in February 1984. And I can tell you the details which I have said to you again and again. Where how he brought me to England. I was in England before, before the time. I went to Nigeria for scholarship because I want to do PhD. And I can tell you how Jesus appeared to me after a three days of fasting without food and water. Not because three days of fasting without food and water would make Jesus appear. But it came by prophetic instruction on the table, dinner table, that Alfred, my son, this should be your last meal for three days. And after this meal, you must not see the sun. That was the prophecy for what I'm about to reveal to you. And it is that prophecy, I acted upon the prophecy the second day, and I just locked myself up in my room and began to pray. And I've taught you how the prayer pattern is. Every hour of prayer, praying. Every three hours. And on the fourth day, the Lord Jesus appeared to me. It was in that encounter, he said to me, go to London and start the work. And he showed me what he's sending me to come and do in London. Let me say this to you, therefore. 
I'm talking about partnering work. For you to understand where you stand in God's global operation. Now, I, I came back to London. And when I came to London, you know, I was attending a church before I came to London. And I, worked, I came with my wife back at the time. Then we, we decided to pray in the morning to go to church. As I was praying, I saw an open vision. <laughs> and in the open vision, I saw a street. And I saw a church at the corner of a street beside the rail crossover. And the Lord said, that is where you worship me. Then I said to the Lord, but the other church is expecting my wife. And the Lord said, that is where you worship me. We got up from my knees and I told my, my wife, we are not going to the other church that they are expecting us. If we go out of this building and we go to this road, we will see a bridge, a train bridge. After the train bridge is a church on the left, and that's where we worship God. And uh, my wife said, but then what about if we don't see the bridge? I said, it's not possible, because the vision of heaven does not make mistake. We came out, looked for the streets. When we got to the street, we saw the bridge. And we walked to the bridge. I said, after that bridge, there must be a church on the left. And behold, the church was there. I'm talking about God sending a man to lead other people. He gave pattern to everybody he sends. Anyone who does not have such pattern, if you think God is sending you, you are joking. I will not understand the kind of God that person will say is sending him. If it is the God of the Bible, he has set his procedure in the Bible, and he will never repent of that procedure. Let me say this to you. Why did God reveal these things to me? Because God has sent me to pioneer a work. At the time, I didn't have full understanding of how that work should be pioneered. So I went into the church. It was a Baptist church. Born Pentecostal, now in Baptist. You can understand. Nobody answered the pastor. When the pastor said, praise God, everybody keep quiet. Because they were, half of them were old. And really, the church was a very big church. We were just 16 in number. In Oliver Deerfore Baptist Church. So therefore, I came in and I said to God, I'm not going to stay here. This place is too cold spiritually. I'm coming from a church big in, in Nigeria, then vibrant. A church where everybody, almost everybody speaks in tongues. And the Lord said to me, he that is whole needs no physician, but he that is sick. And I was taught by the Lord Jesus by encounters about his principles. That every building called a church, Jesus is interested in them. Whether you call them Roman Catholic, or you call them Anglican, or you call them Reformation, Jesus is interested. It is the church of the living God. Both doctrines aside. You see, the reason for Reformation was that the old ones missed it, and new people were raised. But this present age Pentecostal church also have it. Have we not gone into error? This present age Pentecostal has gone to even worse than what the churches were before Martin Luther's Reformation 500 years ago. Now 501 years this year. I would gather now. So there is a need for a reformation arising from the midst of Pentecostal church. And that I believe is why God raised Christ with tabernacle on earth and some others that have similar experience and encounters with me. We stayed in the Baptist church summarily. And then the pastor of the Baptist church was the one who came to me and said, God told me 
you are a minister. Are we together now? The first day I entered the church, the pastor said, that young man who just came in, young black man, can you come and share with us? The first day in the church. And I told them how the Lord opened my eyes in a vision and showed me their church. And that's why I'm here. And you know, you are talking to stark, conk Baptists who never believe in vision. And you are telling them that you saw a vision. And that was it. They said, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Hallelujah, somebody. But my work in that church grew the church to the place where the church went to capacity. Pastor Sidney was with me. Pastor Debbie was with me. And Pastor Adisa was with me, his wife, and all a few others. Serving under the church. Until one year, some old Baptists came and said, You are healing people in this church, and you are making people speak in tongues, and it's contrary to our doctrine, so we want you out. Not in the dream. But face to face. That was not a vision. And you know, Pastor Sidney, Pastor Emmanuel, you know, Notata, and others, they fought for me. I said, leave them alone. Don't fight. And I left for Nigeria. And it was that trip to Nigeria, my first crusade, took place in 1989. Um, and God did incredible miracles we saw the blind see we saw lame walk people who have deep that was the first time that i saw manifestation when i walk among those who have demons the demons will be screaming and getting out of people without touching them and up to today signs and wonders is still in this house <laughs> hallelujah somebody god gave back to my apostolic office in that meeting god raised the dead in that meeting certified medically dead they were going to take her to the mug when God raised her in Lagos. God did extraordinary miracle. Well, when I talk about God doing extraordinary miracle, it's not, it's not strange to those of you who are in this house now. Because some of you were with me in the month of November, just that is two months ago, in Benin Republic, when a woman that was bent over like that for 30 years was healed. Delivered from the past of demons that bent her over. She was healed. And many other miracles happened. So what am I saying to you? If the Lord calls you to pioneer, not in your mind. He will never call you in your mind. He will call you in the same way he called your predecessors. And he will give you an open vision, a clear vision. Of course, when I was rejected in baptism, I went to CAC. I was begging to serve somewhere. Eventually, I was kicked out of CAC. I came back to London, pastored another branch of CAC, and then they accused me that I was catching witches. And they don't want people to catch witches to stay in the church, to come to their church, they destroy the church. And I was cast out for the allegation of catching witches. And so I locked up myself in my house and asked the Lord, Lord, what is going on here? And after praying and fasting for seven days, the Lord said to me, I came to my own, they knew me not. As many who know me, I gave the part we call sons of God. He said, you are not the first to be rejected by your people. And he said to me, I raised Christ's faith tabernacle. I ordained Christ's faith tabernacle as a ministry in Christ's apostolic church to bring the church back to cause. 
He said, but because they rejected you, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So I was never serving in the leadership of a church and then after some time felt that I need to pull out. Never, never, never. Satan had done enough of that. And people who have done that have just gone for some years and dried up. Because God will not bless what is not, it did not begin. I would get that. I'm talking about pioneering. And then the Lord told me about Christ with Tabernacle. And I said, Lord, I don't know how we start church. He told me, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Second day, I went to Deptford High Street to buy stuff. Here came one of my old members. Oh, Pastor, Pastor, we've been looking for you. I said, I'm back now. He said, ah, since you left, we don't know the Bible anymore. I said, well, you can come, I'll teach you Bible. He said, okay, where can I come? I said, next, Friday, next Wednesday, come to my house. And that day, 33 people gathered in my house. 72 Ludwig Mills. This is where CFT started. CFT did not break away by anybody, any church. Apostle Williams was not a, leadership of a, uh, a member of leadership in a church and then felt God is calling him to. It does not work according to the pattern of Christ. Satan has deceived many people. In our own lifetime, I have seen people from 1969 who got planted under ecclesiastical church, apostolic, and because even they had manifestations in those days, they did crusade, they could see few miracles happen, they pulled out from the umbrella, and the end of them was disastrous. They dried up completely. Those who went with them were miserable. I can tell you many in that. In my book, I'm, I'm, I'm putting some of those things there. Because you see, when God brings you to an apostolic church, it's because you have a destiny there. Amen. I would together now. Yes, <laughs> the oil that is poured upon the head of Aaron flows to the collar. But the collar must be on the body of Aaron. If the collar is taken away, the oil poured upon the head will never reach it. Dry it went, dry it shall remain. Do not let the enemy deceive you. This is an apostolic church. But if you look at this, the, the, the story of this church, it has always been open vision or revelation, an open vision or revelation prophetic. The book of Acts chapter, chapter 13 verse 1, it says in the church of Antioch were teachers and prophets. These prophets and teachers were in the church. And he mentioned their name, Barnabas, Simon, called Niger, Lucius, Syrian, and the rest of them. And Saul, Saul, who is Paul, was in the church, but he was a teacher. Barnabas was in the church. It is a prophet. So right in CFTJ here, we have prophets, we have evangelists, we have apostles, we have teachers. But you are still sitting in the pew until your day of showing forth. This is the year of our showing forward. Listen to me. This is the year of our showing forward. Let me help you understand. Why, why did God keep Saul, who Jesus appeared to, face to face, and he did not go from there to start a ministry? That is why, after Jesus appeared to Apostle Williams, I did not go to start ministry. I went to submit to what God wants me to do. A church. Listen to me now. If I did not submit there, God will not do what he's doing today. Now you have CFT in various nations, but watch it. 
Watch it. There are many birds flying into the house. And the next that was small became a mighty eagle's nest. As soon as they flew, they lay eggs. And as soon as they lay their eggs, their egg hatched. Coming out of the hatched egg are giant eagles. And they began to fly across the sky. In a short time, they filled the whole earth with the gospel of righteousness and power, manifestations that the world had never seen before. Because the Spirit of the Most High is upon them to bring the old and the new together and to bring an order into the rotten eggs. That is Christ's tabernacle for you. You have a destiny in this house. You have a destiny. At least you will recognize that I'm not among the ministers who have brought shame to the name of the Lord. And you can do that as well. We don't collect offering here three times. We don't do that. You don't need so. You don't need it. We collect it only once. And in this church, if you are a pastor of CFT, the offering of the church does not belong to the pastor. Neither does it belong to the general overseer. Or the archbishop. <laughs> it belongs to the Lord. Because the ministers as well give. We tithe as you tithe. And I will teach you about that this week, this month. Giving. And so, there is nothing we, we tell you to do that we are not taking the lead in it. I'm saying it for two things. Number one, for you to know is the pattern that Jesus set up. Number two, for you to know when is your turn to pastor a parish of this house. This is the pattern. We are professionals, well educated, and seeking more education so that man will not say, We made you rich. To the glory of He that lives forever and ever. We are not lazy. All my ministers will work hard. If you look at them all over the whole world, that's what they are. Because that is what those who follow Jesus Christ were. Finally, I give you this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding had all who feared him. Write this down. And we will take this further when next that I, I meet you. Psalm 34, verse 9 to verse 10. Key principles for this year and the rest of your life. It says, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want for those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good things. Somebody say amen. amen. Write that down in your notes. Fear the Lord in sense of the Lord. No one for those who fear him. The young lion may lack and suffer hunger. There may be famine, there may be recession in the land. But those who seek the Lord in this year shall not lack any good thing. Any good thing. Come on, say to somebody, I will seek the Lord. I can't hear you say, I will seek the Lord. That's all. Number two, to fear God is a command. It is not an obligation. He says, 
Psalm 22, verse 23. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify Him. And fear Him in all... Fear Him, all you offspring of Israel. We are commanded to fear God. Alright? We must fear our God. The next scripture is Psalm 33 verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. God is awesome. He is awesome. I tell you, God is awesome. You you are going to see more awesome things this year. I am excited. You know, when we were in Benedict Republic, the people in the crusade said they saw that woman. When she was walking into the crusade, she was bent like that and walking like this. All right? 30 years for someone to be walking like this for 30 years, made bent by voodoo. The woman said, when she uh, sneezes, which she does all the time, pause will come out of her mouth. Pause will come out of her mouth. And the whole place will be smelling odor all over. To the place whereby all his family rejected her. For 30 years bent over by Satan. Listen to me. They saw her walk into the crusade bent. But they saw her walk out of the crusade with her hands lifted up. You will see more manifestation of his awesomeness. God needs to be feared. Don't, 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 don't call God, bro. He's not your bro. He is the holy God. You must have the fear of God in your heart. Number three. What is the fear of the Lord by then? Psalm 34 verse 11 to verse 12. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is it? Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may seek good? He may seek good. Verse this is, shall we read it together? Keep your tongues. Come on now, say it again. I can't hear you. Then. Say it again. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Listen to me. Ask God to assign a messenger at the door of your mouth this year and your mind this year. Blessed is the man who walks on the counsel of the wicked or sit in the seat of scoffers, nor stand the ways of sinners. But his delight is in the law of God. That is the man that fears the Lord. If you want to see good days to come, you don't want to see days of sadness and sorrow. Just hang over every day, frustrated every day, to the place where some feel suicidal. You know anybody who feels suicidal is just demonized. Demons are the one around a person at the time that was feeling suicidal. They were speaking to his mind that kill yourself, kill yourself so that you can come and meet us. Because if anybody kills himself, he has committed murder. Thou shalt not kill. There is no salvation after death. Keep your tongue from evil. Don't slander anybody. And your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil this year. And do good. Seek peace and pursue it. This is the fear of the Lord. 
Be peaceful with everybody. Your father-in-law, your mother-in-law, your brothers-in-law, your sisters-in-law, your nieces and nephews and cousins and uncles. Not because they are peaceful with you, but you must seek peace and pursue it, the Bible says. Forget about what they have done wrong. You want to fear God. Depart from evil. So, if you look at these things that I've given you, number one, keep your tongue from evil. Number two, keep your lips from speaking deceit. Number three, depart from evil. Number four, do good. Number six, seek peace. Number seven, pursue peace. But let me say this to you. I will read just five benefits of the fear of God to you, and then we will stop. What is the benefit of fear of God? It's enshrining what you have been reading. Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding, and all who are those who do His commands. His praise endures forever. I love the NIV version in this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal life. Listen to me, therefore. You want to be intelligent? Fear of the Lord. <laughs> you want to be a genius? It's fear of the Lord. You want to be very, very brainy. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A great understanding at all who fear him. So wisdom and understanding comes from the fear of God. So if you want to increase in wisdom, increase your fear of God. Number two, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You know, he spoke about wisdom and understanding in the previous scripture. Proverbs 1 verse 7. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And the NIV says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Did we get this now? Benefits, knowledge. Number three benefits, are the angel of the Lord encamp around those who fear the Lord. The first benefit I told you, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and good understanding. The number two, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And those who fear the Lord, they love wisdom and they love discipline. Number three, the angel of the Lord encamp around those who fear God. That is Psalm 34 verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamp, encamp all around those who fear the Lord to deliver them. And they deliver them. Number four, there is no one for those who fear God. That is Psalm 34, verse 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want for those who fear him. <clears throat> I used to know a minister of God when I was very small. Whenever he comes to the pulpit to preach, the first thing he will say is that fear the Lord, all you his holy saints, for there is no want. For those who fear him. Then he will not teach anything. Every day, that is what he says when he comes up to the pulpit. And the children of that man, I tell you, they were so mightily blessed. If you look at the next next verse, it says the sons of Lion, the children of Lion, they will hunger and fast, and the cup will faint. But those who fear the Lord will never lack any good thing. 
Number five, God will always help those who fear the Lord. If you fear the Lord, the help of God is always around you. Psalm 11511. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. This is where we're going to stop today. I want to say this to you. I congratulate you for entering this year of divine favor. Shall we rise up on our faith, please? Oh Lord, strength. Can I have the choir, please? Oh Lord, strength. If you came here sick, forget it. The days of your infirmity is gone. <laughs> Somebody who came here confused. Let me tell you, the cloud of confusion is being lifted off you right now. Somebody that the devil has been threatening your home. The Lord rebuilt the spirit and power that threatens your family. You receive the peace of God in your family today. Yes. Yes. Lift up your voice and thank God for this hour. He gives strength to the weary. Lift up your voice and worship God. Psalm 102, verse 13. Begin to declare. Father, in Jesus' holy name. Shall we say amen together? Look up here. Let's read this scripture. These are my word for the year. Shall we? You will arise. Say it again. The Lord will arise. He will arise and have compassion on me. Say to yourself, the Lord will arise and have compassion on me. Say to your family, for the Lord will arise and have compassion on William's family. For it is time to show her favor. My appointed time has come. Say it again to yourself, the Lord will arise and have compassion on me. The time to show me favor is now. My appointed time has come. Lift up your voice, begin to thank God for favor. Lord, I thank you for favoring me this year. For sending your favor upon me this year. I thank you for sending your favor upon my children this year. It is time to have mercy. Compassion of God, locate me. Mercy of God, find me out. Favor work for me. Grace works for me. I receive strength by the power of the word of God. Yes, in this year, I receive favor. In this year, I receive mercy. Maralobo shatarandesai. 
by the favor of God begin to receive right now things that are missing in your life. If you are sick in your body, you are made whole in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Yes, yes, yes. Declare the favor of God upon the works of your hand. Mercy, mercy upon you and your household. Oh Lord, declare mercy upon your family, your extended relation, declare mercy upon them.
congratulate them in the name of the Lord. Today is Praise Sunday. Yeah, please take your seats in the heavenly places. Let's call Pastor Jesus to come and conduct our offering. And then we'll do the anointing after the announcement. and offerings. If you need an envelope, just raise your hands. If you are a taxpayer, should complete the blue envelopes. Non-taxpayers, the green envelopes. 